And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 164 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, I'm not going to go with any misdirections here. I loved the stat so much last time. We're going to go with Jose Pagan's 164 games played in 1962 because I got a feeling... It's heading to a tiebreaker, isn't it? Yeah, so I'll hit you with a trivia question. Um, Who is the only player in Major League history that's played in more games in a season than Jose Pagan's 164 in uh, 1962? It's got to be from that era, and it's got to be like a three-game playoff. Uh, The two teams that were in all of them, Dodgers, Yankees, but it's going to be Dodgers. I don't know. Let's say Duke Snyder. Ooh, you were close. It was also the 1962 season. It was Maury Wells. He played in <sighs> 165, all 162 during the regular season, and then all three games in that playoff season. And if you look at a list of players who've played more than 162 games uh, in a season, you know, a lot of it's the one-game playoffs, etc. But then there are a couple weird ones, like Ron Santos got 164 games in a year that the Cubs played 162. And I guess... what when before Wrigley had lights, uh, when they had ties, the stats would count, but the games would be replayed. So, which just seems crazy to me. Right. So, so yeah, Ron Sano has a year where he played in 164 games, and, and the Cubs had a 162 game record. So, um, that, that you know, they, they have lights now. So, I guess that won't happen. You know, I don't know who the commissioner was back then, but I guarantee you that was some that was some shenanigans to help his fantasy team. Only thing, only thing <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It was Bowie Kuhn. He was wrongheaded about everything he did, everything he ruled on. Bowie Kuhn was wrong. Don't be like <sighs> Bowie Kuhn, kids. Please don't. But now, I mean, we're this is tiebreaker talk. And let me get this straight. Let, let's get this straight for the listeners. In There is a scenario in which the Dodgers and Giants play a game at Oracle Park because the Giants hold the tiebreaker. The loser would then play in their home park. So if the Giants were to lose the tiebreaker, they host the Cardinals or the Dodgers would fly back and host uh, the Cardinals. And then the loser or the winner of that wild card game flies to the other stadium. That That's the current setup. Am I half that right? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, basically, Sunday's the last day of the regular season. If the Giants and Dodgers finish with identical regular season records, because the Dodgers uh, lost the, the season series 10 to 9. Thank you, Mike Talkman, uh, for... Um, then the game would be in San Francisco, a tiebreaker game that would be held on the Monday, uh, the very next day, and um, uh, and then uh, then the wild card game is on uh, the Wednesday, 
and then uh, the NLDS begins on the Friday. So, you know, there are scenarios in which, you know, you could have to play that uh, tiebreaker game on the Monday, and you wouldn't totally wash out your pitching, um, you know, because you could bring back whoever you start in that tiebreaker uh, in, what, game two of, of the NLDS if you win. So, um, but, you know, it, the, the real question is how much do you go to, to the wall knowing what you might have left over to start the wild card game. I mean, would the Giants want to burn Kevin Gosman in a postseason game, uh, you know, uh, playoff for the division against the Dodgers, or would they want to save him for a wild card game? And, you know, Gosman and Weber both coming off starts that are not so great. So uh, that may change the calculus a little bit too, but they still have, um, we'll still see them again on the mound before the year's over. So um, yeah, buckle up. It's going to be a crazy, crazy last final week. Yeah, this is getting goofy. It's getting goofy. I mean, the Giants are going into Coors Field where uh, goofiness uh, reigns. And you bring up a good point. Like, how much do you go all out for that tiebreaker? I think you kind of have to sell out for it. The Giants, I mean, you just don't want to go to one game because the the Cardinals, they've kind of handled the Giants this year. I don't know if that means anything, but if you want to get like a fan and get deep into the weeds and go, oh, Arenado and Goldschmidt, like, I don't think the Giants are necessarily concerned about that and curses and, and weirdo villains and stuff like that. But you just don't want to bring it into that one game scenario where anything can happen, where Logan and Webb maybe can't get out of the, the third inning. You just don't want to have that. So I think you have to kind of sell out for a tiebreaker. But I guess we're in over our heads. We should probably talk about what happened and why we're even talking about a tiebreaker. And that's the Giants lost a game and they are just one game ahead of the Dodgers now. Hold on, pal. You put the cart before the horse. So so uh, let me jump in that, that cart and, and roll around in the hay or something. Um, whatever you put in that cart, I'll, I will enjoy it. Um, I think you have to sell out, too, for a tiebreaker game against the Dodgers if one comes to pass. Um, The only thing that might change my opinion is if they have Scherzer lined up or it's a situation where I think they could really take any of the other Dodgers pitchers and it's not an impenetrable type situation. But boy, oh boy, if you have Scherzer in that game, then it'd be tough. But I think not only do you have to sort of sell out in that tiebreaker game to avoid uh, a one-game playoff against the the Cardinals, um, I also think... It's the Dodgers. You want to beat them. You don't want them to be NL West champ for the, what would it be, eighth, ninth year in a row? Uh, I've lost count. It's been so many. I mean, you, you've you sort of held them off all year, um, you know, even if you don't win the World Series, uh, depriving the, the Dodgers a chance to, to win the division and knocking them into the wild card game. I, I would just look at the – I know that they're not going to look at it this way, um, but I, I would just look at anything that happens after that as just gravy. The Giants have won three World Series, but they've never, you know, they've never beaten the Dodgers. They haven't beaten the Dodgers in a playoff to win the division in, uh, you know, a, a couple generations. So I, I just think that would be a really, really interesting, fun thing to, to have happen. That's a very, very, very good point. And, I mean, we're talking about uh, a Giants team that hasn't won – uh, a division and NL West title since Xavier Nady was in left field. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's been a long time. I honestly think that Xavier Nady was the starting left fielder when they clinched in September uh, 2012. So it's been a minute, you know. And so you want to you want to raise that flag uh, because if you have this big time season, you have a you know 100 wins, 100 plus wins. You don't want to fly that wild card banner. It beats 1993, but it still ain't no fun. So so win the division, I think you sell out on that too. I think it's a huge accomplishment. It's not winning the World Series, right? But I think it's an 
much bigger accomplishment than it ordinarily would be to say that you won the division and you held off this team that's just historically great um, and, and that you've broken their run. Uh, of, of division championships. I mean, I, I, I just think that's a huge accomplishment and it's not something you take lightly because, you know, it could mean that you use, you know, a little more of your pitching. And don't forget, you know, they it's not like they would go the very next day and play that wild card game if they fell into it um, after a tiebreaker. I mean, it would be on the Monday and on the Wednesday. But but again, you know, to, to uh, I guess, uh, to, to join you in, in your uh, sort of segueing off of this conversation, we are not in a tiebreaker situation yet. The Giants still have a one-game lead in the division. There's still a lot of seesawing that can happen. We had several 60-second portions of the day on Thursday <laughs> when literally either the Giants lost the lead or lost a tie or the Dodgers took the lead or fell into a tie. I mean, it just changed by the second. I felt like I was in a, you know on the floor of a Vegas casino, uh, just you know, everything blooping around me. So... Um, and we still got nine more uh, games of that, so um, this is going to be this is going to be something else. Yeah, I had the same vibe that I had in my first year as a professional baseball writer was 2011, and so back then it was basically, hey, Grant, make sure you get uh, every story, every baseball story. And so the last day of the regular season, you know, I'm watching, and <laughs> the last day of the 2011 season is like documentary worthy. There were so many things going on in every channel. You you turned, oh, Evan Longoria did this. Oh, the Red Sox did that. It was bananas. So uh, it kind of had that feel on a much smaller scale because there was, like you said, 90 seconds where the Dodgers had tied it in the ninth inning and the Padres had retied it against the Giants. And it was just, it was just bananas. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, it aged me. I think it aged me a little bit. And I don't need that for the last uh, week and a half. It really felt like Wednesday's games and Thursday's games were just total coin flips. And, uh, you know, toward the end, not at the beginning, obviously, when Logan Webb gave up four runs in the first inning on Thursday. But, I, yeah, it, it could very easily be the Giants holding, you know, a three-game lead right now. Um, or, you know, they, they very easily could be tied right now. I mean, it's uh, – uh, and, and we end up with uh, essentially – three more days taken off the calendar and the Giants sort of holding fast to that one game lead. So, you know, the, the, the Rockies, I think did their part. They played the Giants tough. I'm sure they're going to, or they played the Dodgers tough. I'm sure they're going to play the Giants tough. And, you know, both teams have three games against the Diamondbacks and it looks like the, the tougher pitchers might go in, um, uh, in San Francisco, including a Mr. Bumgarner. That will be interesting. Um, and then, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers that we have this thought that they're going to lay down in the final weekend against the Dodgers. But, you know, they're not going to start their NLDS until, I believe, Thursday. So, you know, they're going to be lining up uh, their pitchers on that that uh, previous weekend, too, and, and, and probably not extending anybody. But I don't think they're going to hide any of their aces and, and just throw, you know, whole staff games. So, um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of intrigue left on the schedule. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I was looking at that Brewers-Dodgers uh, series finale and thinking, oh, the, the Brewers are going to play games. and They're not going to show the Dodgers all their cards. But the, they're kind of in a bad way right now. You know, they've lost four or five in a row. Uh, they, they aren't as dominant as they were in their hot, hot stretch. They're going to want some momentum, too. They're not just going to want to, you know, throw the, the 26th man on the roster out there. And, and say, hey, okay, give us four innings, whatever. We don't care, LOL. I think they're going to want to, you know, do some some good stuff. And they're still a very talented team. It's uh, <laughs> it's a fascinating end of the season. Uh, I just, I don't know how it's, it's going to end. It's just, if you told me before this series started, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have the Giants down big in game one. You're going to have uh, Fernando Tatis getting a walk in front of him, and then Tatis is going to be the winning run in game two. Then you're going to have shenanigans in game three. How do you think the Giants are going to do? Two out of three in those, like if you're just cherry picking all the moments where it could have gone south for the Giants, I think you just say, okay, two out of three, we're cool. We're cool. We, we, we moved the calendar. Good. Let's go to Colorado. Yeah, and even even uh, the chance to sweep the series, they created that by coming back and, and hitting their 17th pinch homer of the season to tie a major league record. Austin Slater comes off the bench, hits a three run homer in the sixth. Then you know Jose Quintana gives up two homers in the bottom half, and all of a sudden the Giants are trailing again. Oh, but there's Wilmer Flores. Um, uh, barely pretty much crawling to second base on a double and then scoring on Listella's double to tie it. And that bullpen, who was pretty well gassed and had a lot of people unavailable, including uh, Tyler Rogers. Uh, they know Jake McGee is not available. He's on the injured list. Um, they did not want to pitch Dom Leone. They ended up having to in the 10th inning. But that bullpen, and, you know, give Logan Webb credit for, for giving them three innings after a 45-pitch first inning. That's how that's how desperate you knew the Giants were to try to to uh, preserve some bullpen, is, is they let Logan Webb, who is, you know, incredibly valuable to them. They let him throw 45 pitches in the first inning, which uh, that's definitely needle in the red zone. So, um, so yeah, but they, they ended up getting through it and having a chance to win that game. And you get to the 10th inning, and uh, I know there's a lot of griping on Twitter right now, but, you know, you get a walk to Listella. Brandon Belt is up there. Nobody out. Uh, Ross Detweiler is throwing like four miles per hour under his season average. The trainer comes up to check on him. That's how worried they were. He can't find the strike zone. 3-0 count. And a lot of people are, are, are saying, well, why didn't Belt bunt there? That's what the, that's what the play is. It, that's not the play. That's not the play there with Brandon Belt. And I think, uh, I think anyone who thinks that's the play there is not looking at what Brandon Belt has done offensively over the last two years. He's basically been... Almost as valuable as as a Maze or McCovey uh, in terms of what he's been doing offensively, and that's not hyperbole. Um, and then you know he popped up a three one pitch. Chris Bryant popped up a three one pitch. If you could fault him for anything, it's that they took three zero maybe, uh, but um, you know it just didn't work out. And uh, literally, I, I found myself writing the words, "You can't win them all" in a, a game story. And I think some Giants fans <laughs> need to be reminded of that. That's how successful they've been this year. So um, anyway, so that's uh, that was sort of my view of, of Thursday's game. And, and like you said, they had a chance to pull off the sweep, couldn't quite do it. But, you know, it is a time of year you, you do kind of have to get greedy because, you know, if there's one thing I know about how this race is going to finish. I don't think 
anything we've seen this year would make us believe that either team is going to fold. I don't think either team is going to lose 7 of 9, 8 of 9. I think they're going to push each other all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the chips fall at the end. You want your best players in that situation where they have a 3-1 count and they're looking for a pitch to drive. They feel like they got one. And I don't... One thing I learned in baseball writing is that... It's so easy to focus on a specific pitch, but that's just going to drive you insane. That That's just not going to like when a, a batter misses a specific pitch and pops it up and you're like, oh, he should have done this millimeters higher. Oh, you know, like, no, that's you. You put yourself in the best situation and you hope for the best. Uh, Branded Belt is uh, if you go by adjusted OPS since the start of 2020, he's fourth in baseball among players with more than 500 plate appearances. He's ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's like an elite player since the start of the 2020 season and you want that guy swinging 3-1. Like what was when Travis Hishikawa hit the uh, the the pennant winner, he was I think ahead 2-0. Uh, against Michael Walker, who had walked two batters ahead of him. That was like a maybe-take situation. No, you want Ishikawa to drive the ball. You want to look for that fastball that came. Like, that's the platonic ideal of what you're trying to do as a hitter. So I'm going to blow a little bit of my material here that I've been saving up for a while. <laughs> and, and really, I've been looking to write this story like like in tandem with one of these games here because we got to write off every game, really. It's, uh, uh, it's not sort of in our contract to do that. Um, but, you know, we're one of the best pennant races of, of all time. So, um, you know, definitely writing off of every game. There just hasn't been a game that, that's fit for me to write this, but I looked at their first base production and I even asked Darren Ruff and Lamont Way Jr. and Brandon Belt, I asked them, how many home runs do you think Giants first baseman have hit? And all of them guessed under what the total is. It's 45 home runs. They've gotten 45 home runs out of that position. The only other team in baseball that's gotten 45 home runs out of one position is the Blue Jays with Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's got 46 and one of them as a DH. And then I looked at OPS, and they've got like a 960 OPS from the position this year. And I thought, okay, you know, in Giants history, how many times have the Giants gotten um, a 950, I'll put it at 950, OPS, uh, from one position on the field? Uh, so just what everybody, only when they're playing that position, has done. And uh, I'll tell you, it's seven years of Barry Bonds as the primary left fielder. It's three years of Willie Mays as the primary center fielder. It's one year of Willie McCovey when he won the MVP in 1969 at first base. And it's Lamont Brandon Belt Ruff Wade Jr. this year. And a little Wilmer Flores. That's it. That's how good they've been at first base. And Brandon Belt is providing the bulk of that. And he's a guy that you want swinging with a 3-1 count or a 3-0 count or any count um, in that situation. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. It's you You don't want to, I mean, uh, what what was the King of the Hill bit where it's like, you know, son, don't, you don't want to play lawyer ball. Like you don't want to play lawyer ball in that situation. You don't want to like draw the walk and get, you do if that's what's given to you. But also if what's given to you is uh, a fastball down the middle, you have to trust Brandon Belt. You have to trust Chris Bryant in those situations. You don't want them bunting. You don't want to play for one run, especially on the road. Exactly. 
exactly. when you you know that the Padres are going to get a runner at second to start that inning. That is, if the Padres weren't going to get a runner I- I- to start the next inning, still a bad play. Still, I'm not for it. But you know that they're going to have a runner automatically on second base. You just can't bum that situation. Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. And, and you know what? The real shame of it, in addition to losing a game in the standings, is that they had dress-up day on the flight, and the dress-up theme was the greatest of all time. It was Brandon Belt basically looking like Captain Steubing of from the Love Boat, complete with white shorts and the captain's hat, and and uh, everybody else was wearing sort of the Popeye, the Sailor Man costumes, all the rookies, and and even a couple of non-rookies like uh, Tyler Rogers was 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 one of them, and uh, probably some other people volunteered. I'm sure they couldn't do this last year during you know pandemic land. Uh, so there are probably some holdovers who were rookies on last year's team that didn't participate, and uh, and they were all of his merry seamen. Uh, and, and and Kevin Gosman took a picture of them all on the uh, on the jetway there, and and it was awesome. And can you imagine if they'd done that after Belt had gotten sort of the game winning hit to boot? That would have been pretty darn freaking amazing. You and I are both. I mean, you can't see it, but we're in sailor outfits. I mean, it's you know we wanted to have a solidarity with the seamen outfits, and so I, I I thought that that was a good look. I thought I love that. I I just picture them saying like, "Hey, Brandon, we got this idea. I'll do it." You know what I mean? Like, I just figure he's going to be on board from the very get-go. Like, oh, yeah, I'll dress up as the captain. What do you need? Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, I'm in San Diego still in my hotel room after, you know, Thursday's game. And there's like an aircraft carrier like like five minutes walking from here. So I could I could go in my sailor outfit and, and probably, uh, uh, you know, probably just walk past security and jump in a dinghy or something. Sign autographs, sign autographs. But before we move on, I have to share this with you because while while you were bringing up the first base production, uh, I was looking up stats. Uh, guess how many home runs the Giants got from their first baseman in 1984 for the entire year, 162 <laughs> games. How many home runs did they get from first base in 1984? Okay, so this is one where I have to play the role. And I think if I were to actually guess and, and under guess, then it wouldn't be any fun. So, so my theatrical guess will be 16 um but my actual guess is like nine it's three what they had three home runs from first baseman in 1984 it was uh i don't even know who played i know that al oliver was like the primary first baseman he got 368 plate appearances he had zero home runs so they were a little punchless in first base and it feels like you know one of the reasons jt snow is so revered is that he came he, he bridged that gap between there was will clark and then there was nothing it was oh my god and then there was JT Snow for a while. And it, it, one of the reasons he, he's so popular is because it was like, oh, you know, at least we don't have to deal with whatever was between him and Will Clark. And there have been these weird gaps where like the Giants get zero production out of first base and you're playing like Jose Vizcaino out there or something. And since we're back on this topic, um, I also looked up one other thing when it came to the Giants and their what they're OPSing at first base. And I only used plain vanilla OPS. I didn't use OPS plus. So um, not quite the best tool, but uh, gives you an idea. So I, I wanted to look at in 2021, how many teams are getting that level of production from any spot on the field. And uh, the list is uh, Toronto Blue Jays first baseman, uh, Anaheim Angels designated hitters, Phillies right fielders, and in just the last week, Nationals left fielders have uh, entered the chat with uh, Juan Soto because he's been going crazy. And then you've got Giants first baseman. So you basically have the top two MVP candidates in the American League, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Shohei Otani, the top two 
MVP candidates likely in the National League uh, among most voters anyway who are not going to give Brandon Crawford any love, and that is uh, Bryce Harper and uh, Juan Soto. And then you've got Giants first baseman. They make the cut with uh, Lamont Ruff, Brandon Wade Jr., which I don't think I can put that name on my ballot, actually, but I'd like to. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, they can't stop you from trying. That That's my, I don't know, that's my... That's my theory. I think the Giants' first basemen uh, have been tremendous. It, it, everything about the Giants has been good. But let me give you a, another stat that's almost as impressive as the first baseman. It's the Giants' adjusted ERA as a team. Mm. It's the best since 1954. It's the best in San Francisco Giants history. So think of all the great pitching teams uh, from from 2010, 2012, uh, 2009, 2011, all those historically great Giants pitching staffs. This team is preventing runs better than the league around them, better than those teams. At the same time, I'm freaked out by this pitching staff right now. It feels like you can see the the heat waves kind of rising up from them on like off hot pavement. It's it, it, am I getting goofy? Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Especially uh, you know Gossman has not had a great second half. Not certainly anywhere near what he did in the first half. Uh, I mean Logan Webb has been tremendous. They, I mean they went 16 and one in his last 17 starts before they lost uh, on Thursday. He ha- he hasn't he doesn't have an actual loss uh, in the box score. Uh, since, what, May 5th? And um, Mike Kruko is the last Giants pitcher to make 18 starts without getting hit with a loss. And and that was in 1987-88. And that's how good Logan Webb has been, how consistent he's been. So that part I I, I get. Um, but, yeah, they've been throwing bullpen games. They've been, you know, throwing guys that, you know, don't necessarily give you the sense that they're dominating. It's, it's uh, how they've gotten this kind of pitching level in the aggregate is just unbelievable. And uh, their, their number one trait for me is that, you know, they just, they don't give up homers. They're, they're giving up the second fewest homers in the majors. And we're definitely in an era where a lot of runs score on home runs. And that's that's really been one of their calling cards and they don't walk people. So don't give up home runs and don't walk can make you kind of, that's the baseline to creating historically good pitching staff these days, I guess. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You can kind of point out in your your mind's eye the starts that they've had like this from Logan Webb. You can give them names. It's like, oh, there was the Desclafani start against the Dodgers. Like you remember the a- absolute blowups because they just don't have them. And it seems like most years, even with the good teams, you have starters who have uh, you know a couple of weeks of blowup starts, or you have them back to back, or you have a, a run where you have several starters just sort of hitting the wall. The Giants haven't had a lot of blow-up starts, and that even extends to the bullpen games. You haven't had a lot of just, oh, the opener just, you know, uh, messed the bed. Oh, you know, oh me, oh my, what are we going to do? There just haven't been that many games in the, you know, previous 150. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they've been really good. (laughs) 
I, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, I wish I had another place to go with that. But, uh, um, but and yet, you know, you get to the end of the year, and they throw a Scott Casimir out there, and he was per- <laughs> perfectly good for four innings. That's what I wrote about after after Wednesday's game is, you know, they've played 150 games. You'd think that they're out of tricks. You'd think that there's no other way they can surprise you. And yet here comes Camilo Doval just throwing strike after strike and, th- and throwing three straight sliders to Manny Machado with the bases loaded and nobody out, and he gets out of the situation, you know, um, and... And, uh, and it, yeah, it's just, I mean, wow, they, they still have ways that they can surprise you. And that's, I mean, they, they, they shouldn't by this point. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, they're going to have to keep coming up with surprises because some of the guys who've been otherworldly are, are definitely, like you said, uh, especially in the case of Gosman, uh, uh, have given a little bit back in the second half. That was one of my favorite moments of the telecast of the, the 2021 season when Camilo Duvall does that. He gets out of the jam and then they cut to the dugout and it was so perfect. And Andrew Bailey comes up and he puts his, you know, his uh, two fingers on on Duvall's pulse as if like, just, just checking, you know, just seeing how that heart rate is going. And I, like, I, I don't know what the, I don't think we ever got like a, a, a pulse rate on uh, Duvall, but it sure seemed like he was just, you know, having fun out there playing catch. Like he seems like a dude who doesn't uh, let the moment overwhelm him. Yeah. I think that may have actually been JP Martinez, the assistant pitching oh, coach. I'm sorry. So sorry. Yeah. But, um, but he's the one who was giving the, he's has the medical uh, clearance to check people's pulses in the middle of games. <laughs> they, 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 they delineate these, these uh, duties very, uh, they're very strict about that. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he's a guy who's got very different mechanics, and I think it'll always be a challenge for him to be consistent with those mechanics. And, you know, for a young player, it's 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 probably wise to, to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit when they have a really good outing, because part of the key of being really good and being good in this game for a long time is to be able to, you can be relied upon to do that again next time. And I don't think we have... Uh, we have enough of that track record there with Camilo Duvall to know that that's exactly what you're going to get next time out. But when you know it's in there, that that, that is pretty darn uh, that is pretty darn enticing and, and exciting. And I know the Giants lost on Thursday, but let's just bring up uh, Caravine Castro because uh, here's his professional history. In 2016, as a 17-year-old, he threw 13 games uh, in the Dominican Summer League, uh, missed a year because of injury. 2018, as a 19-year-old, he pitched in uh, one game one inning. 2019, as a 20-year-old, he pitched in 14 games for Salem-Kaiser, which is uh, was short-season A-ball. Pandemic, a little bit of Sacramento, big leagues, and he's in there in a high-leverage situation, and he did very, very well. He still hasn't given up a, an earned run uh, in the, the, the major leagues. I'm uh, recording this on a wood dresser, so I'll knock on wood, but he's looked good for a guy who probably shouldn't be in the major leagues, or maybe he should, but it's been very limited minor league action to get there. Yeah, I won't say anything because I think that this, I, I'm actually staying in the ice hotel and everything's made of ice, so no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have any wood to knock on, so I won't say anything uh, anything that would, um, uh, that would make me have to do that. But um, I will say, and I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but one thing that was mentioned to me, I think Kyle Haynes mentioned it to me, Giants Farm Director, a while back. You know, during the pandemic, um, you know, guys didn't have a place to go uh, sometimes um, uh, who were from uh, Venezuela. And especially because Venezuela, Venezuela, Venezuelans literally could not fly home. So you had Luis Matos and uh, Ricardo Henevis and, and about uh, 20 players uh, sitting in a Courtyard Marriott hotel room, literally in quarantine, um, you know, after spring training kind of, you know, uh, broke up in March of 2020. And there were some guys uh, who 
had family in Florida, and Kervin Castro was one of them. So he was able to get to Orlando. And there were enough players out there uh, in the Orlando area you know, who were Venezuelans who were just kind of displaced uh, from other, who would otherwise be you know, getting ready for their minor league s- uh, season that they played a lot of Sandlot games against each other. And they sort of formed a little league. And uh, uh, it was really evident, uh, especially in the case of a Kervin Castro, just how much that benefited him because he got to instructional ball and they were like, this guy looks like he's he's hasn't like he just put in a full season of growth and uh um you know boy he's he's just been very very steady and has good stuff and i think we're gonna be calling his name for a long time Uh uh-oh i need to knock on some wood (laughs) the whole reason he's up is because at one point the giants looked and they said they were going to lose him to the rule five draft if they didn't add him to the roster and so even though he did not have a single inning above salem kaiser they said you know what i could see the orioles coming by and just stashing him away as the back guy in their bullpen and they had to protect him so he was already on the 40-man roster when they're making all these moves and all these machinations and it's like Okay, you know, he's on the roster, he's doing well in Sacramento, get him up there, and he really just has lived up to the moment so far. Yeah, and you know, if the Giants wanted to get wacky, and I don't think they will because you don't want to put people in the 40-man until you absolutely have to, but there are some guys in the minor leagues that could help them in a postseason bullpen that we haven't seen. And the guy I'm thinking about first is Cole Waits, and if you haven't seen him, imagine the caddy uh, from Happy Gilmore, and then put a Giants uniform on him, and then watch him pitch 101 miles an hour and just be completely untouchable. And I think he struck out like 36 in, in like 14 innings or something just absolutely ridiculous. He's striking out two out of three batters that, that he's facing. So that's kind of crazy and he's going to be moving real fast. Uh, 36 batters in San Jose, he struck out 24 of them. That that's is, crazy. Uh, that's a pretty good, even as I know San Jose moved down a level, it, it's low A now, but still that's goofy. And so real quick lightning round, do you think Duvall has a place on a postseason roster? I think if he keeps throwing like this, then yeah, I think they'll go with the hot hand. I think that's what you have to do. You have to go with a hot hand in the moment, but they also have to trust that, you know, when the stage gets bigger, that those players will be ready for that moment. And you hear Gabe Kapler and everybody talk about the ice water in his veins and checking his pulse. I think that's a pretty good indication as much as the stuff that they think that he will be able to handle it. Because there have been times when the Giants thought, hey, I've got this shiny new toy who can throw 99 miles an hour and his name is Hunter Strickland. How bad could it be? Let's put him in our bullpen for the postseason and oh, ouch, now we all have whiplash. So, you know, it doesn't always work out, right? But I have a feeling with Duvall that they'll probably make a a pretty positive evaluation on him. I think you and I can probably uh, list players who were uh, A, exceptionally bright, uh, B, just good dudes, just, you know, they had a lot going for them. uh, And but when they got in there, their eyes got just a little bit bigger. And, you know, it's a hard thing to do. It's the eyeball test. And, and, you know, you don't want to live and die by it. But when you get a guy who is just has that nothing phases him mentality like Jake McGee. I mean, you know, he's not a perfect reliever, but he just doesn't seem to have any emotion out there, which I think is a pretty good thing. If you find a guy like that, if Doval is a guy like that, I don't know. Just take, take him out there, take his 102 mile per hour fastball, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Or Tyler Rogers' 83 mile an hour fastball, which I I, I asked him, uh, you know, when when he was facing Fernando Tatis Jr. and he's behind three one on the count, and Tatis <laughs> is, thro- is is swinging so hard, I think his shoulder is going to pop out and his arm's going to fly in the press box. I, I said, how do you get back in the count against a guy like that who's just swinging? with the intent to just hit the ball 800 feet. And he said, honestly, I, I don't look at who the batter is. I don't look at the um, 
uh, the inning or the situation, I just realized, you know what, I, I pulled my last fastball a little bit. Uh, what's my cue that I'm going to use in that situation to make sure that I can hit my spot next time? And then that's what he does. And you think, you know, a lot of people I'd be like, that's some BS. That sounds great, but come on. That's not what's going through your head. With him, I kind of believe it. And uh, I think that's the case with a lot of these uh, uh, Giants players. They've just, there are very few times when you've seen a lack of composure. There are very few times when you've seen a Sam Coonrod look like he's afraid to throw a pitch to Trent Gresham, which you saw that last year, and you haven't seen, I don't think, any of that from almost anyone this year. I wish that I had that steely confidence. I wish that I could say that this pennant race is not getting to me in my podcasting. I think I pulled this one. I think I pulled it a little bit to the left. <laughs> I got I to gotta reorient. I got to get back out there. But we will get back out there and we will talk on Monday. We'll know what happened uh, to the Giants in their house of horrors in Colorado. And uh, we'll know what the Do- the Dodgers just, I agree with Krugenkype. They're just not going to lose. So forget about it. Just the Giants have to take care of business. And we will be back. Thanks so much for listening. And we will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.